Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go today to win money. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use the mobile app device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Everybody, welcome back to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka the TCK Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Lamarco, here to bring you another team's preview. This time we're going over the NFC North, and we got a great guest. I don't even think he's a guest. He's he's one of the TCK own. We'll bring him on in just a second. We want to make sure that we remind everybody that you're watching these podcasts. If you're listening on the podcast app, we're listening a part of the Believe Podcast Network. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. So make sure you're going to the Bet Online. And also, you heard that promo at the beginning of our episode. Make sure you're checking them out. If you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure you're following us on YouTube at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and share it, guys. We would love to get your feedback on what we're doing here. If you actually follow us otherwhere, we also follow me and Sky, Twitter, Sky Gawasco. And at Bobby Lamarco. If you follow us on Instagram, for example, it's fantasy football underscore TCK pod. And also myself at fantasy football X Factor. Now, before I bring my guest on, I want to remind everybody about our new sponsor. Now, listen, if I've talked about these guys for a couple of weeks now, but our latest sponsor is expandtheboxscore.com, bringing you affordable advanced stats. Now, listen, this on your screen here. You're going to see three different types. You've got Pro Football Focus, Sports Info Solutions, and Expand the Box Score. Expand the Box Score is getting you all the info, contested catch rates, uh, routes run, broken tackles, missed tackles, all this information you need to look at advanced stats you get with Expand the Box Score. But the best part, too, is it's only $25 for the season. That's right. It's hundreds of dollars cheaper. You're getting access to all these advanced stats. But the best part, too, is we're actually giving you, as a TCK listener, a four-day free trial and $5 off. So if you guys go to expandtheboxscore.com or if you follow me on Instagram, it's the link in my bio, go try out the four-day free trial. If you don't love it, and we know you will, you get your money back. But if you do love it, it's $20 for the season. Enough of that. Now, today we're going to be talking about the Bears and the Lions. And if you've been a... A fan of the TCK, TCK pod for a while, you'll know there's a certain member of our crew who's also a Bears fan, and we had to bring him back for this episode. His name is Dweez Nuts. What's up, Dweez? Hey, hey, hang on. Listen, cheers, buddy. Oh my God, it's great to be fucking back. Life got in the way for a little while. But just slop that thing off for a night because we're talking bears. Hey, quick question about your sponsor there. Can I sign up, screenshot everything they have, and then cancel it within four days? Is that okay? Now, listen, if we're off air, I'll answer that question off air. (laughs) I'm um, kidding. I'm kidding. Absolutely not. That that 25 bucks a year was very – look, 
I do a lot of research myself, but like 25 bucks a year is nothing. Like I can fucking afford nothing. that. I, make I a, know. I make That's a so crazy. That, and it's 20 bucks. You just use the promo code TCK. But the thing is, we're giving you that four-day free trial, man. It's amazing, too. They have a scatter plot tool where you can actually just start plotting in. A, you, can, you can be lost in that thing for hours. It's awesome. Math. Oh, math. No, I love the numbers, <laughs> oh, we, man. Fuck, I love we're bringing the numbers. numbers, Dweez. So, Dweez, listen, I think a lot of people remember the great episodes we did early on in this season. I think we might have wiped you out. I think the, uh, the coaching changes, you're like, you know, I need a little bit of break. But we're glad you're back. Because we're going to need you to break down these Bears. Listen, we've been bringing people on, but there was only one person we could bring on for the Bears. So I'm excited to talk. So let's talk about those Bears. Now, for the for the Bears staff, listen, there is no changes. Bill Lazor last year, in your in your little chart behind you, you love Bill Lazor. Unleash Bill. I don't know Matt if you're going to read that. No, you, it can a little bit. It basically says Bill Lazor. We've got to unleash it. Anyway, but there was no real changes to the offense from a coaching side this year. Um, but there's also been movement up front. Listen, Elijah Wilkinson, who was the right tackle for the Broncos, kind of flipped spots with the guy you had last year. Charles Leno has been long in free agency. But you're getting guys like Tevin Jenkins, second-round pick, and Larry uh, Borholm. I don't even know how to say his name, but he was a fourth-round pick for you. James Daniel, who was banged up last year, looks like he's going to get his starting spot back. So a little bit of movement up front. So we'd love to get your feedback on that in a second. But the skill position groups, Anthony Miller, it sounds like he's gone. We recently were on a Bears podcast, and they basically told us that Anthony Miller wasn't a, win- a winning player. He just didn't do the right stuff. So maybe we'd love to get your feedback on what you feel about that. But they brought in Marquise Goodwin, who's a speedster. Interesting. Looks like he's in the early lead for a third receiver job. They also brought in Damari Bird. So, like, some fast guys with elite deep threat elements to their games. But I think the big one we all care about is Justin Fields. The first round pick, bringing in Andy Dalton. The quarterback situation's brand new and shiny, so we're gonna get your thoughts on that too. Khalil Herbert and Daz Newsom, some three picks at the RB and receiver position. But what stands out to you from your offseason? How do you feel about how the Bears have done so far? Uh, so the interesting thing, the Bears are in a position that, like, I kind of enjoy when any team gets into this position because you just have no fucking clue what's going to happen. And what I mean by that is coach and GM are on the hot seat going in. Like, these are guys that, you know, Vegas has good odds on them getting fired before the season ends. Like, you can go bet that money. It's almost surefire money for Nagy at this point. Um, but I kind of enjoy this time. Sure, as a Bears fan, I'd love to be in a – you know, in the middle of a 10 win per season dynasty or something, but like who fucking knows what's going to happen. Nagy's been a weird play caller with a fancy tricky playbook for years. And now that he knows if he doesn't get it fucking together, um, he's out like all bets are off. Who knows what the fuck is going to come out onto the field on any given Sunday. Um, and that's kind of fun to watch. Uh, you know, obviously the Justin Fields thing is, is, is big news. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, you know, maybe not, maybe not as exciting for 2021 as some people kind of expect, but, uh, there, there are a handful of things happening here that I think are a little bit interesting for fantasy football purposes. Um, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the offensive line. This is a big concern. Both tackles gone. Jermaine Fetty comes in, who's a terrible run blocker, but a pretty good pass blocker, probably going to play on the right tackle side with Jenkins on the left, who is, you know, he's still new. We'll see. We'll see what he can do. The interior line is losing one piece, but Cody Whitehair's pretty solid. Some concerns there. I'm concerned in the 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 offensive line in general, which is never a good thing for anybody. Even if you're Justin Fields, like at some point you need somebody to block for you. But 
despite that, like even if this offensive line doesn't click, and I think they're uh, 28th ranked by PFF right now coming into this season, even if they don't click and they never get above that 25 mark, I still think there's some fantasy football um, some interesting fantasy pieces here for this year. And more importantly, moving forward, like I think there are interesting pieces for 2022, if you're talking dynasty 2023 already, but uh, we'll go position by position. I think is how you want to do it. You sent me a very oh, yeah. detailed <laughs> list. I'm not going to stray from the fucking scripture, Bobby. It's your show now. Come on. So, I got you, I'll let man. you, no, I'll, let you nah. I'll let you listen, leave you... the positions. Dweez, you showed me the way, man. I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for your tutelage. Uh, it's this is this is your making. You you've made this. I appreciate it, man. I, so let's talk about these you, players. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into it, you know you blew you blew my fucking mind right before we went on the air, and I don't think you have no idea that you did this, but you blew my fucking mind, Bobby. And I have to point this out to the people, okay? Um, I've been on I don't know probably a dozen or so different shows with you going back to when we first started in the off season together. And I've, and I've seen your face and I've seen your, your camera shot that we're all looking at right here for a long time. And I've always thought to myself, what kind of fucking amateur sits with the camera pointing into his kitchen or wherever into the middle of the house? Like, and, I've, and I've always, you know, I never said anything because like, you know, I didn't know you that well. But a minute ago, you got up to get yourself a beer, take a shit or whatever you do. And for the first time, I realized it's a fucking mirror behind you. And it yes. blew my goddamn mind. I, have, I had no idea. And I'm having a hard yeah. time getting myself back into show mode. Because <laughs> I'm going to need you in show mode. All right. I'm going to help get right. you back. All right. Well, hey, hang on a second. I'll get there. Uh, no, the mirror, the mirror is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. But I appreciate your feedback. Uh, <sighs> glad I'm not so much of a psycho anymore. All right. Listen, let's talk these Bears quarterbacks. And the reason why I put Bears quarterbacks is it seems that people are still not realizing that Andy Dalton's the starter. I mean, based on what I've been seeing, listen, Dalton – had some mixed games last year, but you know what? For what it's worth, he did put up some points down the stretch once he got back from that injury, that big concussion he had, and also COVID. So, you know, last year, 14.9 points per game. The QB 30 doesn't sound great, but if you look at the games he actually played, he was a little better. Currently, he's going as expert consensus QB 37, but that's 15 spots behind Justin Fields, who's going at 22. Um, so right now on ADP, Justin Fields is the guy. He's going ADP QB 18 at 138 overall, but it sounds like Dalton's going to get the start. But what's your thoughts about this situation? Do you think Dalton's going to be long-term, short-term? What's your thoughts? Uh, so you say he did a little better when he actually played, right? If we look at week 11 through the end of the season when he was playing and healthy for Dallas, he was um, – what was he? I wrote it down. QB 11. Uh, nope, that's not wrong. QB 12. Okay, so he was QB 12 when he started playing week 11 on. And if you take away that week 17 against uh, week 17 week against the Giants, which was a shit show, half of which, by the way, he played after he got his hand crushed underneath Leonard Williams cleat. If you take that game away, he was the QB nine. Andy Dalton is a baller. Don't forget. 150 games started in the NFL, 5,000 yards thrown, 200 touchdowns. He's been to the playoffs several times. He's sent wide receivers to the Pro Bowl. He's been to the Pro Bowl three times himself, and I know it was a few years ago, but Andy Dalton can still play football. One of the things I liked best about Andy Dalton, you may remember way back in the offseason before free agency, um, I was kind of hoping the Bears landed Dalton. I thought that's where they would go, and I thought he was the guy that made most sense as sort of a stopgap quarterback here. And uh, he's he's tough as shit. He and Justin Fields are both tough as fucking nails, and they will stay on the field and play through whatever. They are great emotional leaders. I think they're both bringing that um, onto the field. You already see it in camp with guys like Fields 
um, and and him just like correcting Allen Robinson on routes and shit, right? Uh, but Andy Dalton's the same thing. We haven't had an emotional on-field leader at quarterback since, I don't know, Kyle Orton, okay? So like this is nice. going to be exciting. <laughs> Whoever it is, it's going to be exciting. Um, Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. I'll tell you in a minute how long I think that's going to happen. Real quick, on Justin Fields, you know, obviously you can extend plays, move around, make throws off platform, which is really exciting. It's what all these young kids are able to do these days anyway. Uh, one of the beat writers likened him to Matthew Stafford with just the amount of sidearm throws and like submarine throws he's making in camp right now. And they're all on the money. Very accurate guy. Great deep ball, which we'll get into later in the show. Very accurate deep ball from Fields. Uh, but but he's still a little green. Uh, he, he didn't start that many games for Ohio State. He's still a little green. And listen, this is my biggest concern, okay? He admitted in an interview just a few days ago that every time he tucks the ball and runs in camp, he's still a little scared, and he thinks about that Clemson hit in the uh, semifinal. Was it a national championship? Whatever game it was where he broke his ribs, went out there and played the rest of the game. But he's thinking about that when he runs, okay? If, mm. if, you're, if you're the – Chicago Bears quarterback, and you're scrambling a lot because that O-line's bad, you can't run scared. If you run scared, you know what? That's Carson Wentz after his knee injury when he came back and he just kind of refused to scramble, even though that was the thing that almost got him into the Pro Bowl the year before. That's concerning to me. If you're in your head about it, that's not something that's easily easily coached out. So he's got some growing up to do um, before he's really ready. All that said, Nagy and Pace, their jobs are on the line, so they're not going to hesitate to make a move if they're not doing well, okay? The schedule starts out the Rams, the Bengals, Browns, Lions, Raiders. There's two games I highlight on that. If the Bears lose to the Bengals in week two, we are going to see Justin Fields in week four against the Raiders. Okay. If they if they beat the Bengals, but they win in week or they lose in week four to the Lions, um, then we're gonna then we're gonna see him uh, probably against, believe it or not, probably against the Packers two weeks after that. Um, he's not going to last. Dalton's not going to last past week five if he loses to the Bengals and to the Lions in those first two weeks. This is a tough schedule for these guys anyway. Probably probably only five wins in this schedule anyway for the Bears. And that's an optimistic fan point of view. But um, I would circle – I would probably circle that Raiders week four game if I'm honest with you. I think week four is probably when we're going to see him – five, sorry. Um, week five is when we're going to see him show up. So uh, – Three games, made four solid games with Andy Dalton. Now, if he manages to win two, those both of those games, and maybe another one, if he could beat the Rams, if he can find a way to beat the Browns, you know that'll extend him a little bit longer. But I don't expect that to happen. I'm looking at week uh, week five at this point. So my question then is: Do you feel that Justin Fields' ADP is justified? Do you think if he gets in there by week four ish, that you should be taking him as the QB eighteen? Um, I mean, so if, if you're talking super flex, absolutely not. Like if you're talking super flex, you have to take a starter. You have to take two starters within the top 24 and, and he's not a starter to start the year. So you'll be scrambling for five weeks, maybe longer, right? Like there's a lot of guys in these super flex who's taken a guy like fields as their QB two that they intend to start because they think he'll get on the field soon. Well, best case scenario for me is going to be week five, which means you're scrambling for four weeks, which is a quarter of your fantasy regular season. If Dalton manages to win a couple, you know, it might be week yeah. six, might be week seven. Like, you don't know. The best case scenario is you're only losing out on a quarter of your season. If it's a one quarterback league, doesn't fucking matter what you do at QB2. Don't even draft a QB2. Um, but if it's super flex, it's too high for me. You got to take 
you got to take 24 quarterbacks that are starting should go before a guy like Justin Fields. I wouldn't touch him. Now, if we're if if instead we're looking at a dynasty situation, I think Justin Fields, once he gets on the field, has all the potential to be a really, really, really quality fantasy asset. So yes, take him. I'm sure he's going a lot higher than 18 in dynasty leagues. Yeah. Um, even dynasty startups at this point, but take him all day. But in a redraft league, Justin Fields is not somebody that should be drafted, period, super flexed or otherwise. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why I was asking is like, listen, Dolan, for what it's worth, you just brought up that week 11 game, which is perfect because it rolls right. This is what the flow is all about because I got some stats too on week 11 on. Yeah, he baby. Averaged 20, yeah, it's perfect. He averaged 20.9 points per game in six, six points per passing touchdown leagues. That would have been Matt Ryan numbers last year. So that's not too bad. I mean, we're not sitting here saying Matt Ryan's wash. So now he had three wide receivers during that time frame, top 31 wide receivers and a top 13 tight end. So you know what? There was fantasy-relevant guys, plus in this Chicago Bear offense, it's more centralized. It's Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, maybe Jimmy Graham. Not a lot of guys after that are going to get a lot of work. Maybe the guys in the past, the running backs like Damian Williams. Who knows what's going to come? We'll get your thoughts on that in a second. But moving on to those running backs, let's wait, talk wait. a little bit about – all right. Wait, the, one thing that I didn't mention – about Andy Dalton's performance in Dallas that needs to be mentioned because we've already talked about the offensive line struggles that the Bears are going to be having. Last year, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line ranked 27th in the league by PFF, right? So it's not like Dalton, you might, people might be saying to themselves, sure, he was a quarterback 12. Sure, he had three wide receivers, but it was Dallas. Dallas is great. Well, they weren't last year and their offensive line yeah. was banged up to shit. They were terrible. So he's not going into a much worse situation, probably uh, apples to apples if you're looking at offensive lines anyway. So like if he can perform there, he could perform here. Yeah, I agree. I'm on board with that. Listen, that's why I'm a little concerned about this Justin Fields AP. That's why that's why I brought it up. But let's talk about David Montgomery. So David Montgomery is an interesting guy because, listen, if you look at his numbers, 15.9 points per game, the RB8 in points per game last year, but now he's being drafted. Expert consensus ranking 17, ADP 17. He's going at pick 33 overall, according to NFC ADP. So he showed you upside. Now he's being drafted as a mid-range RB2. What's your thoughts about David Montgomery? Okay, so weeks one through – oh, my God, I'm big. Wow. You want to take a shit, guys. Don't worry about it. Bobby will be back. Maybe. Um, in weeks one through 11 last season, um, before, like, the big David Montgomery breakout, 13.5 points per game. He was on an RB20 pace. You know, three Cohen was out for almost that entire time. Only three touchdowns on the ground for him. You know, 35 receptions, three and a half a game, which was which was fine. I mean, we're not going to we're not going to expect much less than that this year. Um, it was it was a mediocre performance. 20s up. You said he's going at the uh, 18 or 17 or whatever. So 20s about where he was. That was where he was weeks one through 11, 12 through 17 when they had the easy, world's easiest running back schedule. And they dedicated, Nagy did, dedicated himself to handing the ball off and just giving it to David Montgomery over, over, over. And there were a couple of games where he was absolute dog shit and then broke a 90 yard touchdown run but he was averaging 26 points a game in that last six that was rb1 pace easy seven touchdowns in that time um one and a half touchdowns per game in that time here's a stat for you okay in that last six games david montgomery was on a 7.5 percent touchdown rate okay he scored on 7.5 percent of his touches now if you remember back to 2019 when Aaron Jones really fucking made a name for himself, 
Um, after that season, everybody said, no, he, he can't he can't do it again because his touchdown rate was insane. His touchdown rate was insane. His touchdown rate was insane. There's no way he can repeat that. Well, Aaron Jones' touchdown rate in 2019 was 6.5%. So he's a full percentage point higher, David Montgomery was, in the last half of last season. So it is unrepeatable. Okay, so the people that are sitting here saying he should absolutely go as a running back one, he should be a top 10 running back. He finished top whatever it was for if you look at the overalls. Um, it's just not the case. It's just not possible. Okay, it's not it's not possible. In fact, you look at this guy's career over his career, um, 0.78 fantasy points per touch. Per touch is a lot better than looking at per game just because a lot of crazy things happen. If you give him 275 touches, which is about where he's averaged last couple of seasons, um, he, he, he would have finished RB12 last season, right? So pretty good, 214 fantasy points, pretty good. The, the fact of Dave Montgomery, the fact about this kid is that he's a 12 to 18 high-end RB2 running back in fantasy. That's where he belongs. Yeah. I haven't finished somewhere between 12 and 18. I haven't finished all my rankings. Um, I haven't stat everybody out yet. So um, the, the short answer after the very long answer is if he's going at 17, I'm taking him because my range of outcomes is 12 to 18. And that's on the, that's on the low end, but I'm not expecting more than a, a mid to high range RB two out of David Montgomery. So with David Montgomery, I think the problem comes is the receivers you're passing up in that range. I mean, you're talking about your boy, Allen Robinson. We'll talk about in a second, Terry McLaurin, CD lamb. Like those are the kind of guys going right around him. So as if you look in a vacuum, RB17 is fine. It's not a problem. But it's really the guys, the receiving core, the guys that even Darren Waller might fall into that range. You don't want to pass on those guys necessarily. But here's something interesting about David Montgomery. So last year, he was seventh in the NFL in opportunity share. We saw his opportunities from the previous year jump from 59% to 73.9%. So that's a huge jump in the percentage of touches he was getting for that team. So it made me think to myself, is RB17 good? So I actually looked at running backs over the last few years who actually averaged right around David Montgomery's points per game. There was about 17 guys in that range. They're not the elite guys. They're not the CMCs, the Calvin, uh, Alvin Kamara's cooks, but this middle range. Of those 17 running backs that actually played the following year, six of them, <clears throat> six of the 19 fell below 12 points per game. So there is a little bit of variance there. But on average, they actually finished about – it was about 12%, but 13.3 points per game versus the previous year where they finished at 15.2. So that's about a two-point drop. So if David Montgomery sees a similar drop from his last year, you're looking at about four, uh, 13.9. That's the RB15-16 last year. So I think he's going right where he should. I think that makes sense. The problem with David Montgomery that's always going to be is <clears> – <throat> I think this is the question you have to ask yourself. Do you take Tyreek Hill in the top of the second and then you take Montgomery in the third? Or do you take a running back in the top of the second and you get one of those stud receivers in the third? Because that might be an option for you. Because if you decide to pivot to maybe a Tyreek Hill who who falls or Steph Diggs and you want to just get another stable RB2, that might be not too bad of a strategy this year because Montgomery is going towards the latter half of the third round. Any other thoughts about David Montgomery before we move on? Yeah, he's you, you hit it on the head there, right? He's a low ceiling guy that has that should have a relatively high floor this year. So it comes to roster construction. What do you have ahead of him? Do you need to take a risk um, or do you need to go safe, right? Like think about the guys that you said the guys are going around him. If I'm safe on my first two picks, I'm taking CeeDee Lamb. If I'm taking risks on the first two, I think David Montgomery gives you a nice floor to balance that. Balance on the roster construction, baby. Now, with with the backup running backs now, let's talk a little bit about Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen. Now, Cohen is still dealing with that knee injury. 
And Damian Williams, listen, you know, there is that Kansas City connection a little bit. I know Matt Nagy was gone, but at least he knows some similar offense from being with Andy Reid. So what are your thoughts about Damian Williams and Terry Cohen? Who's the number two? How much of an impact are they going to have on David Montgomery? Um, it's it's 100% Damian Williams. Um, like you said, Cohen's still dealing with injury. Um, and unfortunately, like the way his game is played is that like any kind of hampering is going to it's such an exponential drop off. If he's even a half a step slower, that's just who he is. Right. He's the he's a joystick. That was his college nickname. Human joystick. Can't be a joystick if you're hobbling it even a little. Um, Damian Williams, a lot of good things about him being set out of camp right now. He's going to be the backup, but I'm not worried about it at all. I think Nagy's going to just kind of feed the ball to David Montgomery quite a lot. Like expect Damian Williams to maybe play the Cordero Patterson role last year. He'll come in and he'll get some weird looking runs and he'll get some weird touches out of nowhere. Um, but it didn't, it didn't affect, it didn't affect David Montgomery's touches. You just said the opportunity Sherry had last year was so fucking high. Uh, it's not going to go away, right? Damian Williams will get a little bit here and there. Expect, like I said, the Cordero Patterson role. And I don't think Tariq Cohen plays much of much of a factor at all on the offense this year. Um, I think he'll, I think when he comes back, they'll focus him on return game more than anything else. Okay. Let's talk about the real guy here. The real fantasy guy is Allen Robinson. This guy is a Alan stud. Fucking yeah. Robinson. Bleep. And he's, uh, he's actually, um, the thing about Allen Robinson, he's not a franchise tag. So it's interesting to say the least, if he's going to come back, I think it would be insane if they let this guy walk last year, 13.2 points per game, the wide receiver, 15 in points per game. But there's a lot of optimism this year. Expert consensus ranking has 10. ADP is wide receiver 12, and he's going 31st overall just ahead of David Montgomery. So what's your thoughts about Allen Robinson? Are you buying him at his third-round ADP? Dude, Allen Robinson is – We lost you for a second. So while we deal with – I'm going to just talk a little bit about Allen Robinson too before we get to these right back. So this is the big thing about Allen Robinson. You got – we lost you for a second. Fuck you good? Sake. Lost you again. <laughs> You're good? We hear you a little bit. I need a drink. There you go. I can hear you now. I heard the crack of the beer, so we know you're good. All right. So let's talk a little bit about We lost Weez. He'll be back. I know he'll be back. Let's talk about Alan Robinson. So the thing when you look at Alan Robinson's stats, it comes to Andy Dalton how he actually played. So it's not necessarily going to be a – I'm going to talk about Allen Robinson without you at this God, point. Like, damn, so, internet. Fucking internet. AT&T, man. All These right, assholes so dig up my hey. yard every day. They can't even give me decent internet. Fuck. That's all right. Listen, now let's get you back on track. Talk about Allen Robinson. What's your thoughts? Yes, Allen Robinson is a cursed human being. His bigger issue, more than even getting paid in the contract, was that he desperately wanted to play with a quarterback that can win. And he's never had it. Mitchell Trubisky has been his best quarterback, and that's trash. But uh, he was the he was the most excited human being on the face of the planet when Justin Fields got drafted. I honestly think it's going to go a, if Fields get on gets on the field this year and shows anything at all, it's going to go a long way in getting Allen Robinson signed back to this team. If Matt Nagy gets fired, it's maybe even going to go a longer way to keep him on the field. But um, to, as to this year, I'm going to give you three numbers that have nothing to do with Allen Robinson just for a minute, and I'll bring it back and explain why. Okay. Um, Darnell Mooney, in his uh, pre-draft combine, ran a four three eight forty. Demir Bird ran a four three two forty. Marquise Goodwin ran a four two seven forty. Okay. The point is, these guys 
are fast as fuck. I mean, they're fast as shit. Marquise Goodwin tried out for the goddamn Olympics this year. I think he's done it once before. Didn't quite make it. If you watch the Olympics, these fuckers were were on something. They were running like nobody's ever run before. But uh, these fuckers can run. And and nobody's going to be helped more than that, uh, more by that, than Allen Robinson, who has always been a shorter yard, shorter route, possession-type receiver who can just catch anything, right? He can catch anything in any coverage. So here's my expectation for Allen Robinson. For I, I think Allen Robinson will score a shitload of points in second halves of game this year. And if you own him in fantasy – um, every single game is going to be a big frustration because in the first half, I think teams are going to do a lot to slow him down as they come in game planning against the best weapon the Bears have. Unfortunately for them, those deep ball guys are going to burn them once or twice. And in the second half, they're not going to have any choice um, but to spread a deep shell to try to slow some of that down. And Allen Robinson will fucking eat after that. So sec- he's going to be a second half player all year, which is frustrating. But if you're a fan of the comeback victory for your own fantasy matchup, he's your guy. There's no reason to expect this guy not to finish top 10 wide receiver this year, regardless of who the quarterback is. I think Andy Dalton's probably a better quarterback option for Allen Robinson's production, to be honest, than Justin Fields. But I don't think either of them are going to be a problem for this guy. He's going to be what he's always been, which is a fucking stud on the field that produces for you regularly week in and week out in fantasy he's somebody yeah draft him whatever i don't even know what you said his adp what is it doesn't matter go ahead and <laughs> make him you'll, you'll no, no so listen the thing about Allen robinson really comes down to i looked at andy dalton with aj green i mean people forget that for a decade basically aj green was a stud he averaged 14.2 per, points per game on average that would be wide receiver 10 numbers from last season so he's proven that he can produce top 10 receiver numbers consistently now another thing too though the biggest difference between like Allen Robinson so far has been the touchdowns. He only averages his 16 game pace with the bears has been six touchdowns per season. Now with AJ green with Andy Dalton, it was 9.1. So give Allen Robinson a little more of a boost now because there is more touchdown upside with better quarterback play for him. The other aspect of this though, that I just want to keep in mind is that better quarterbacks doesn't necessarily mean better production overall, because listen, he's going to go through his progressions now. Mitch Trubisky was like, Allen Robinson's there. Let me throw it to Allen Robinson 150 times and no one else. No other receiver in the last three years or tight end has hit 100 targets in the Bears offense other than Allen Robinson. So this is another thing. So I looked at last year. I looked at Michael Gallup. I looked at Amari Cooper and Lamb with that that little stretch we just talked about previously. Amari Cooper, 11.5 points per game. Michael Gallup, 10.9. C.D. Lamb, 10.3. Instead of an alpha he spread the ball around to his three good receivers. This could be better news for Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet as they get more looks. It's going to be the guy. If the people start fixating on Allen Robinson, Dalton's going to go up elsewhere. So I think I like Allen Robinson where he's going. I'm very high on Allen Robinson. I think he's going to be a back end of the wide receiver one type of player. Um, my thing is, though, I just don't think he's going to be a top five guy. I don't think because he gets a better quarterback, he's going to become a top five receiver this year. So I just think that the offense as a whole with Andy Dalton is going to play better. Mooney's going to get – Mooney – Sky did a stat where Darnell Mooney had the most unsat, it was like unsatisfied air yards. Like 
739 unrealized yes. unrealized there you are there you go it's good to have you back buddy um but yeah so like that's my point i think i think alan robinson solidified i think he might be the safest third round pick in fantasy right now i think you know what you're gonna get from him yeah it's just i just don't know how much his upside is even with yeah. all you forget you're missing one one key variable here though and i and i've said it a couple times i'll say it again for the deaf people in the back i think that's you bobby listen <laughs> Matt Nagy's about to get fired, and he's going to do everything he can to stop that from happening, which means the entire back of his play card is going to be plays to Allen Robinson, where the only read is Allen Robinson. As much as Andy Dalton might want to spread the ball around, it's not it, – it, Matt Nagy's going to say no. At some point, when, when they're struggling, when the offense isn't moving, he's going to look the guy in the eye and he's going to say, throw it a fucking Allen Robinson, and it's going to happen. Um, and, and I expect a lot of that in second halves of games because everybody's desperate to look good. And the best part about owning Allen Robinson or being a Bears fan and watching these Allen Robinson games is, is just that, watching him, because it doesn't matter who's covering him how good the coverage is or how many guys were covering him. If it's a decent throw, he finds a way to catch everything. And it's fascinating to watch this guy play football. Like that's why you draft a guy like this, because you're going to watch all your players play. You might as well watch draft somebody who's fun to watch. And Allen Robinson, like pound for pound, all else, you know, all other variables eliminated might be the best Go and get a ball that's thrown your way receiver in the league right now. Maybe I'm a little biased, but he's so Maybe. fucking fun. May he's so fucking fun to watch play football because he's so good at his job. So right, they're, gonna throw, they're gonna throw it to him. All right, listen, I I, I get it, man. We're gonna put you on the clock later with Allen Robinson. We'll see what you got for that. So Darnell Mooney is the next guy on our list. I, I think a lot of people are excited about Mooney. He's actually getting – he's got decent draft cap. But last year, 7.5 points per game, wide receiver 72 overall. But this year, it seems like more optimism. Extra, expert consensus ranking 52, uh, 48th overall in ADP. But he's going at 111, so he's going in the first 10 rounds. So people are putting investment in him. What are your thoughts about Darnell Mooney for 2021? Uh, so – I have a very specific strategy for Darnell Mooney, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay, so like this guy started only nine games last year, 98 targets. You said that Allen Robbins is the only one to get to 100 in the last bunch of years. 98 last year for Darnell Mooney. 24 of those were wildly uncatchable. 25% plus of his balls were wide. And if you saw him, we're not talking he missed by a little bit. We're talking 15 yards over his head when he was 15 yards past the next best guy. Um, you know, you brought it up. Sky said it. 739 unrealized air yards in 2020. 739 unrealized <laughs> air yards in 2020. Okay. This is problematic. He is an incredible, incredible deep route runner. When people know that he's running straight up the field, he can find a way to get past them. He did it time and time and time again last year. I think, I, I, I strongly believe that one of the major reasons Justin Fields flew up to the top of the Bears draft board was because they had Darnell Mooney on the roster. Justin Fields had one of the best deep ball accuracy. Well, he's, he's, a, he's the best, he's the most accurate deep ball thrower in this class, I think. And they wanted the big play that was so elusive last season um, with guys like Darnell Mooney. I think this match is a match made in heaven when Fields gets on the field. 
I think with Dalton, Mooney will struggle to put up big points. He's still just a second-year receiver. Um, you know, the offense isn't changing, and you you know how mu- how important it is to have the same offense continuity two years in a row. Sure. Um, so he'll he'll improve, right? He'll probably get more looks um, on more routes. His route tree will expand a little bit as he kind of understands how this offense works. So he's not just going to be running down the field. But when Fields gets out there, I think Darnell Mooney's stock ticks up a whole running back tier to me, okay? So if he's a, he, a wide receiver, if he's a wide receiver three or four for you now, um, I think once Field gets on the field, he pops up to a two or three instantly. So my strategy with Darnell Moody is simple. Don't draft him. Trade for him in week three or four, depending on what happens in that Lions and Bengals game. Because when Fields gets out there, you're going to want him, and you're not going to have to pay very much to get him, I think, with Dalton out there. Because he'll be fine. Like, if you draft him as your wide receiver three, probably four, I think, is where he's probably going. But um, he'll be fine for you with Dalton out there. But with Fields, I think the sky is is sort of the limit. I think he can probably go 900 yards and seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns on the season with Justin Fields out there, which is fantastic for a guy going in, what did you say, the 10th round? Yeah, so when I looked at Dalton's wide receiver two finishes from his time in with the Cincinnati Bengals, the average finish for those guys was wide receiver 38, which is actually not too bad. Just yeah. 36, they're going to get value for him there. And it was about 9.4 points per game. That would have been the wide receiver 46 in points per game last year. So when you look at the history of Andy Dalton's wide receiver twos, it makes sense where he's going. He actually could return value. And we've seen big seasons from guys like Marvin Jones playing alongside a guy like A.J. Green. So it's not unheard of that he supported two top 25 receivers in that aspect. But I guess let's move on to another guy here. And I want to talk about Cole Komet. So I we're skipping I over fucking a bunch of receivers. God damn it. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Man. Listen, there's only so much time, man. There's only Let so much go, time. I'm going to go quick. Let me go quick. All right. Go, go, go quick. Go okay. quick. I, okay. Demir Bird is going to be the starting slot receiver for this team. Okay. Again, a 4-3-2 for Demir Bird. By the way, Bobby, it's Demir. 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 Got it. Demir Bird. Um, I think he gets the I think he's gonna be the slot guy. Um, I think there's gonna be some gaps for him early on in the in the in games. You know, I said earlier Alan Robinson's gonna be double triple covered early on. I think the slot role specifically is gonna benefit from that early on. So if he can get any kind of rapport going with Andy Dalton, which he already is starting to do in camp. Um, could be good. And a guy like Demir Bird is never going to be a, I mean, he's not, he does not going to have a, a very high floor. He's going to have a pretty low floor. It's going to be two catches, 25 yards. However, um, if you're looking at best ball, imagine a guy that runs a four, three, two, he's five, nine. He runs a four, three, two. Imagine him catching a ball streaking across the middle on a drag route where they're trying to cover him with linebackers in a zone. This dude will absolutely take a couple of cross shallow crossers or slant routes to the house. I mean, if he doesn't have three 70 yard touchdowns by the end of this season, they didn't use them correctly um, on the team. All right. So somebody to look at really late in drafts. Um, and if something should happen to Darnell Mooney, I think Demir Bird steps in pretty quickly to kind of fill that role and do some of the same things that he can do. Demir Bird had a couple of really nice games with the Patriots last season before Jacoby Meyer stepped up. Um, so not a bad option. Good best ball option late in those drafts as well. Marquise Goodwin, 5'9", 4.2740. Unfortunately, a bit player. He's 31 years old. Um, he'll get out there when they, you know, they run some four wide receiver wide sets and just 
everybody streak down the field and let Robinson and, and Komet or whoever drag across the middle. And he may catch a couple of deep balls, but he's, he's going to be a package-dependent weapon. Don't worry about him. Daz Newsom's kind of interesting as the rookie. Only 5'11". Look, none of these guys are over six foot except Allen Robinson. None of them, which is a little bit problematic. In fact, three of them are under 5'10". So that's a little bit problematic. But Daz Newsom hurt himself um, coming into camp here. So uh, collar injury, missing time in the field, which obviously that matters in camp, especially for a rookie, especially for a rookie when there's a rookie quarterback that might you might get some time with. I obviously not going to do anything this year, but Daz Newsom is somebody who I think is pretty electric and probably should have gone higher in drafts than in the NFL. L draft than he did. He went in the sixth round, probably a third or fourth round grade. If you just look at his skill set prior to the combine, um, somebody that I think you should think about for dynasty looking at 2022, 2023, I think he could be exciting, especially if Allen Robinson ends up leaving this team and somebody else. I don't think it will be him that steps up as the one necessarily, but I think when he gets on the field, eventually he could be a weapon, really great route runner ran from the slot in North Carolina extraordinary hand fighter getting out of uh, getting off the line uh, incredible ball skills super tough he actually reminds me a lot of Anthony Miller when Miller came out like the thing everybody said about him was he was tough as shit like he didn't give a fuck like he had that kind of attitude and I think Daz Newsom can have that kind of attitude and maybe be a winner I think in dynasty Daz Newsom is somebody that you can get super late probably after your rookie draft uh, should think about doing that, snagging him and and stashing him for later. Now we can talk about tight ends. Jesus Christ, right. big monster, Bobby. <laughs> that wasn't even cool. <laughs> that wasn't quick at all. That was good though, man. Listen, that's good dynasty detail, best ball. Listen, Fuck we gotta talk to everybody. <laughs> Nothing. You're right. All right. So Cole Komet looks like he's gonna be the starter now, overlapping Jimmy Graham. But I'm excited for Cole Komet. We've seen a lot of second year breakouts over the last few years, but. Cole Komet down the stretch started getting more work, but his like 2020 was kind of, it's not really important to even talk about. He didn't produce a lot. He didn't start play a lot the first 10 weeks or so, but he's going ECR 20, uh, ADP 20 at tight end, 168. So he is being somewhat drafted. What are your thoughts on Cole Komet now that Jimmy Graham's not leaving? Um, what's your, give me your two cents on him. Jimmy Graham's got the six most tight end catches of all time, seventh most yards of all time, fourth most touchdowns of all time. All that kind of says is that he's really old. He's 34 years old, been on the field for a long time. Um, his targets have been slowly dropping a little bit, but he still had 76 targets last year. He's not going anywhere. I don't care if Cole Komet's technically the starter. Jimmy Graham's not going anywhere. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I'm completely off Komet. Okay. I know people are excited about him because he's everybody always gets excited about a young tight end who might step into a new role because we're always desperately searching for a tight end. Unfortunately, Cole Komet's not your guy. He might be streamable sometimes, um, but he's certainly not going to be much more than that. Uh, his best potential is going to be as a red zone threat. We know that La Nagy likes tight ends down deep. 45 pass attempts inside the 10-yard line last season um, between those two quarterbacks uh, that played. They were tied for sixth in pass attempts inside the 10-yard line. Jimmy Graham had 12 targets inside the 10-yard line. That was fifth best in the entire league, regardless of position. And if you combine Grahams and Komets, there were 17 of them. Komet had five last year, too. So, like, he might get an opportunity in the red zone to score um, some touchdowns. But, but I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't expect him to get a bunch. I don't, it, you know, he might have a two-touchdown game here or there, but that's all it's going to be. Um, you know, those 5'9", five, 5'10", five, guys certainly aren't red zone threats. So, 
you might get a couple of good games out of him. Again, maybe a best ball tight end, but I'm not on this guy. I did a, a while back. I did some hit rate data. I looked at uh, all the positions coming out of every round in the NFL draft going back, you know, 11 years just to kind of see where guys landed and um, second round tight ends, which is what Cole Komet is uh, in their second year. He's got a 6% chance of, of landing in the top six, 25% chance of landing in the top 10 at the position. I'm certainly not buying that. I mean, it may be at tight end 20 in the drafts. It's somebody you can take a flyer on, but the data doesn't really support that. In fact, if you look at the hit rate data, there's a different guy that you could consider who's probably cheaper in his third year. Dawson Knox um, has at least twice as good a chance to finish in the top six, about 18% of, of tight ends in their third year in, in round three, which is where Dawson Knox from Buffalo was drafted. Uh, land in the top six so like if you just look at that data only go Knox um, I don't expect a lot from Cole Komet I don't expect a lot from Jimmy Graham either they cannibalize each other badly yeah I think that's the problem right I mean we we're all crossing our fingers hoping Jimmy Graham was going to leave but when you look at Cole Komet's 2020 it's been it was a nice progression though I mean weeks one through nine 1.1 targets per game 35 percent snap share in week 10 on it jumped to 5.1 targets but then it really jumped to 84% snap share. But then it comes week 13, like two weeks in, they finally start giving this guy the ball more, six targets a game and 88% snap share. So listen, he was 6.2 points per game from weeks 13 to 17 as a rookie. Like that's what George Kittle and those guys put up as a rookie. Now that's what Jimmy Graham, now you just brought up the perfect point though. Like his, he was not even using the red zone though. The weirdest thing is they still use Jimmy Graham. So even in that stretch, he was fourth, in red zone targets and he had zero end zone targets. So like, you're right. I mean, what's the upside if the Jimmy Graham comes in and he plays in the red zone only, that's still going to take away from Cole Komet. Maybe they run two tight end sets. I think that caps his upside, but it was still encouraging to see him because the second year breakout's been huge. George Kittle, David Njoku, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram in 2018, 2019, Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Mike Jaziki. And in 2020, it was TJ Hawkinson. Noah Fant even saw a big jump in points per game. So plenty of guys have been fantasy relevant in their second season. It might be Adam Troutman this year. That might be the more realistic one. But Cole Komet is still somebody, listen, you have to watch. Just keep in the back of your mind. If week one comes, Jimmy Graham's not a factor, and he starts getting like five, six looks, you might want to scoop him up because this offense is, you know, Travis Kelsey, Kansas City. They brought in Jimmy Graham. They want to use the tight end like you just brought up. All right, before we move on, this has been 45 minutes of Bear Stock. This is why we brought you in, brother. Yeah, man. So, like, listen, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Take a 30-second take a break. I'm actually going to talk quickly about one of our latest sponsors, Red Zone Draft Boards. So Red Zone Draft Boards is not just a draft board. It's a little bit of everything. So not only are you getting this legit draft board that has – there are 14 teams, over 200 spots, but you get a championship ring for your league. I think that's the coolest part about it. You get an engraved case with your league information right on the case. You also get cheat sheets from fantasypoints.com and also a last place sign. But I think the most important part of this is every, every draft kit sold, $5 is donated to charity. So I think that's big. Let youth kids play, play sports. So go to draftwithredzone.com today. Use the promo code TCK and get 10% off your order. All right, so I'm bringing back Dweez here. We're switching over to your rival in Detroit. Now, 
talk about, we just brought up continuity. Talk about not continuity. This is like brand new coach. Dan Campbell comes in, just starts. First thing he says, I'm going to just bite off kneecaps. I mean, at this point, if you're not excited about that, I don't, I don't, you're not alive. You got to be alive. Uh, they bring in Anthony Lynn. Listen, Anthony Lynn is an offensive play caller. It's not, it's not as deep, it's not as much as you would think. He doesn't play call a lot of plays, but we'll see how that goes. They did lose a guard, Ode Abdujie, uh, PFF number twenty six guard. They drafted Penne Sewell, though. I mean, Penne Sewell is probably one of the better picks of the draft. Now they have great tackle play on this team. They also have three guys returning on the offensive line. They are rated as PFF's number ten offensive line. So that's that's good for a guy like Jared Goff who does not perform. Really good under pressure. So we'll talk about that later. But it's the skill position groups. I actually do an opportunity analysis where I look at vacated targets and also history of drop back data. And this team was number one in that analysis, 308 available, new available targets. So it's wide open. That's not including TJ Hawkinson getting over 100 targets and DeAndre Swift getting his last year. These are new available targets. Now we're switching from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff. That's a lot of change. New coach. New coordinator, new quarterback. And then you got all these new receivers. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola are gone. Insert Tyrell Williams, Rashard Perriman, and, and their draft pick, Amon St. Brown. So that's huge. Jamal Williams in the backfield, and they also drafted Jamar Jefferson. I mean, that's a lot of information. But, Dweez, what do you think so far of Detroit? They're your rival. Do you think there's any hope for these guys in 2021? Uh, so the, the first thing we talk about with the Bears is uh, – the polar opposite of the situation we got here in Detroit. I think the Detroit offensive line is going to be fantastic this year. And I know there's a lot of change, right? And I know there's a lot of upheaval. And I know people doubt this quarterback. People doubt this offensive line. People haven't seen a running back out of Detroit in a long time. But nothing works in football without a good offensive line. And when you have a good offensive line, Shit that shouldn't work often does. I think this offensive line is going to be top eight in the league this season as long as everybody stays healthy. And as a result, this offense and these offensive pieces are going to be better than people think. I mean, I don't know how much better DeAndre Swift can be than people think he's going to be right now. But um, there is going to be some value to be had here because of that offensive line. I mean... Like you said, everything else is changing, but it, it, when it when it comes to the trenches up front, like if you can move that defensive line forward a couple of yards, everything gets easier in football. Everything. Yeah. Oh, so let's talk know, about those players, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, I agree one thousand percent, and that's important. So let's talk about Jared Goff first. Sorry, I'm just throwing out DeAndre Swift. I'm skipping ahead. Jared Goff, you're, you're so excited about Swift. I know, right? So, yo, so Jared Goff. When you look at his numbers last year, Goff actually had a down year from what his other years were in with the Rams. I think Sean McVay got fed up. That's why they made this trade. Eighteen point five points per game and six points per passing touchdown league. That's twenty second in points per game last year. Expert consensus ranking are down on him. He's QB twenty eight. The public's even further down. It's QB 30, and he's going outside the top 200. And I think that's fine. I mean, I'm listening. No one's drafting Jared Goff. But here's the story for Jared Goff and how he can support other players. That's all I care about. I don't care about Jared Goff. I want to know if he, if I feel confident he can have a wide receiver or a tight end and a running back that's fantasy relevant. Now, you broke the offensive line. There is probably no quarterback that's that's significantly better when kept clean. Like Jared Goff, when he's kept clean, he's ninth in yards per attempt last year, seventh in completion percentage. And when he's not kept clean, he's 34th in yards per attempt and 29th in completion percentage. 
So if he's got a good offensive line, he's proven that, listen, when he's comfortable and he's in the pocket and he can make his throws, he's an efficient quarterback. The Rams' offensive line play has been sketchy over the last couple of years. It improved last year, but this line is probably the best line he'll probably play behind. And I think if he's kept clean, that's good for him. The other thing is throw depth. Listen, when you talk about Jared Goff, where he wins, it's short intermediate. He's not a great deep ball thrower. He was seventh in completion rate on short passes, 13th in intermediate, and 31st on deep passes. The good news is Justin Herbert last year in this Anthony Lynn offense was only 24th in deep passing rate. So he wasn't even throwing the ball downfield that much. They had a lot of volume, you know, Jalen Guyton, Mike Williams. They had a lot of deep threats. But still, they still allowed the running backs to flourish in Anthony Lynn's scheme. They utilized Keenan Allen a lot in that offense. And Justin Herbert was not throwing the ball deep that much. So I think this offense might be a good fit. Short, intermediate, kept clean with a good offensive line. So I actually have some optimism for golf to support some fantasy relevant players. But what's your thoughts about Jared Goff heading into 2021? Don't forget that outside of that first Jeff Fisher year, that debacle in in, uh, L.A. or wherever they were at that point, he's 42 and 20, right? He has a 91 and a half career passer rating. This guy's had no less than nine wins per season outside of that first year as a starter. The bottom line is, he, he knows how to win. He feels comfortable winning. And there's a lot to say about a quarterback who knows what winning feels like. Okay. Like that's an intangible trait that you, you can't teach somebody, but he knows what that's like. I think that's important. Um, when we're talking about this guy, of course, you know, only one finish inside the top 12 for fantasy quarterbacks. He's not a fantasy quarterback, probably not going to get more than 25 touchdowns. That's sort of where his, um, where his ceiling, especially with this wide receiver core, but yep. uh, I, I will say, if you're in a redraft league, though, if you're in a super flex redraft league, and this might ruffle some feathers, but I'm drafting Jared Goff before Justin Fields in a super draft, re, super, what am I trying to say? Super flex redraft league. Yeah. Because he's going to play. Okay. Justin Fields won't play for five weeks. This guy's going to play, and he's going to play fine because, like you said, he's going to be kept clean. Anthony Lynn runs the kind of offense that he seems to really like. Um, I think this is this spells good things for him. Obviously not great. He won't be a QB1, but I think he's going to be a fine, really, really late round QB2. If you're in that redraft league, take him late as shit, and you'll be really happy that you did because you'll fill in other pieces in those higher draft picks where people are taking their QB2s much higher in drafts. I think that's that's the play. Yeah, I got you, man. So let's talk about DeAndre Swift. So – Swift is is actually a tale of two halves. He, they kind of eased him in, and then we saw them just kind of unleash him in the second half. But overall, he finished as the running back 18 in points per game last year, 13.1 points per game. Expert consensus rating has him right back there, RB18. The public's higher on him, though. According to NFC ADP, he's going at RB16 and 29th overall. Now, I know a lot of this stuff has been about Jamal Williams. I think people are hesitant. They're like, oh, there's going to be two running backs. When I tell you there isn't a better head coach, and OC to have two running back scheme, it's these two guys. I mean, Dan Campbell comes from Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray. So that scheme, we all know Alvin Kamara has been a top five running back three of the last four years that he's been in the NFL. So there's been a second running back in that scheme. For example, Mark Ingram in 2017 was a top six running back. 2018, it was twenty RB26. Latavius Murray's been 30 and 35. So there's been fantasy relevant somewhat RB2s and still an elite running back one. So I'm not even concerned about that. And when you look at Anthony Lynn, it's easy as Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. In 2019, they both were inside the top 15. I know Melvin Gordon 
Walt had a suspension for the first four weeks, but still, 2018, Melvin Gordon, RB3, Austin Eckler, RB28. You go even back for you want to hear the poor man's version? It's Chris Ivory and Sean Green and Bilal Powell. <laughs> like, I mean, there's been plenty of scenarios where Sean Anthony Lynn's been up. Yes, that's what, if you you come for the Sean Green takes, bro. That's what I'm yes. talking about. Yes. But that's my point. But even like Jamal Williams' impact on Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones, RB4, 5, and 16 the three years when he was playing with Jamal Williams the last three years. And the reason why this is okay is because Anthony Lynn uses running backs in the passing game. The last four seasons, they've been inside the top 12. But here's the, the finishes for RB target percentage with Anthony Lynn in the Chargers. Fourth, first, third, 11th. When you're targeting the running back 25 to 30 times percentile, you're going to be able to support more than one running back in that type of scheme. That's why I'm not sweating DeAndre Swift. I think he's going to be fine where he's going. But he's another one of those running backs that's going in the middle of the third round where you're going to have to pass up. You know you're going to get better production from Allen Robinson, but you have to decide, DeAndre Swift or Allen Robinson. I think most of us would feel safer with Allen Robinson because you know what he's going to get. But that's the point. But when you look at the only downside, this is Jared Goff. So Jared Goff, I know Todd Gurley had some big seasons, but he has never targeted in the four seasons with the Rams. Over 20% of his targets went to the running backs, never once. So that's a little concerning because he's such a short intermediate thrower for his receivers and tight ends it means that there's not as much for the, the running back position. So maybe that's the only downside to this. But overall, I'm okay with DeAndre Swift. What are your thoughts about Swift in 2021? Yeah, to that last point you made, like people will think about Todd Gurley and think, hey, this is a dump-off quarterback, dump-off quarterback, dump-off quarterback. That's not right. He's not a dump-off quarterback. All those throws to Todd Gurley were designed, and he will throw to the running back on a designed run, but he is not a dump-off to the running back quarterback. And that's a big difference that we have to point out here. People have to understand he's not going to bail out of plays and dump off the Swift all day. But that said, you know, you talked about it um, already, but Anthony Lynn is a guy who's going to bring in an offense that does just that, designs passing plays to the running back. Each of the last three seasons – with uh, the Chargers, his running backs were top five in targets, um, in running back targets, top 10 in running back targets every year that he was there, right? Like he loves to throw the ball. Um, in the coaching episodes show that we, a coaching changes episode we did way back when, we talked, we, we named a huge list of guys that benefited underneath Anthony Lynn yeah. in the passing game. Absolutely um, worth doing. And, and I'll speak to the Jamal Williams issue, the concern that people have with Jamal Williams. People think Jamal Williams is going to come in and hawk all the touchdowns. He's going to take all this work away, and that's going to screw DeAndre Swift. Well, DeAndre Swift had a good year last year, right? I mean, everybody would say that he was, in the end, he was a stud. I don't remember where he finished. Had a bunch of touchdowns. looked really good. There was somebody on that team taking away touchdown opportunities. Adrian Peterson had 10 goal line attempts um, last season, which was 12th in the league. He did that. He took touchdown opportunities away from DeAndre Swift, um, scored five touchdowns on those 10 attempts. DeAndre Swift still managed to get himself nine goal line attempts, and he scored six. 66.7% success rate on the goal line is yeah. really high, um, and uh, the coaching staff is going to see that and recognize that this kid deserves an opportunity to score because he can move a pile, um, but he can also score from outside, which is sort of the dynamic, uh, the dynamicism you get. I don't think that's a word, but uh, it like is it. what it is. I drank a bottle of wine before this show started, and I'm on, I'm on my second beer. That's but, why uh, I love kids, you, man. <laughs> kids score. You don't have to worry 
about Jamal Williams taken away from him because that happened already last season, and we still saw DeAndre Swift produce, um, even with AP stepping in and trying to take some of that work away from him. To speak really quickly to Jamal Williams, though, and it's funny, I wrote this down. Without Let's even, do it. Let's without, do it. Without even considering like what you said a minute ago, but when I look at Jamal Williams this year, I think he is – a Latavius Murray, like you draft yeah. him as the Latavius Murray style handcuff, who you're going to be able to play sometimes. And you just mentioned that obviously, you know, that was the, that was the coaching scheme that's being brought in. So I think that's a perfect fit. And you know what, when Latavius Murray was, was running with Alvin Kamara, nobody fucking batted an eyelash at drafting Alvin Kamara. And I think it's the exact same situation here. Yeah. The more I look at DeAndre Swift, and his whole situation, this offensive line, this coaching scheme, the concerns people have that shouldn't really be concerns, the more I like him. And you said he's going at 16. I'm taking this guy in round two, okay? I'm not waiting until round three. I'm going at him early because I want him. In redraft leagues, dynasty leagues, doesn't matter. All right. Well, the thing with Jamal Williams, too, when you're looking at this situation, I think the one concern, though, is you brought up the Adrian Peterson thing. But it was a huge difference in the first eight weeks and the last eight weeks. The first eight weeks of the year, Swift, that's when AP was getting most of the ground game work. And Swift was mostly using the pass game. He only averaged 11.1 points per game. That's like flex numbers. Like 11.1 is not going to win you your fantasy. That's not RB2 numbers. So I think that's the concern. But the kid was a rookie. And there was a COVID offseason. You know, and, and did he, did he late- miss time in camp last season too? I feel like he missed so, time in camp with, with – Oh, it didn't possible. have camp. Never mind. They yeah, didn't they fucking didn't. have <laughs> So my point is, like, I think the other thing too is this Lynn scheme. They're not. They have just just what? Like, listen to the scheme. Like, it's they feed running backs. Like, nope. that's why I feel like the Swift thing is like I agree a hundred percent. So we're good on the running backs. Let's move on to yeah. the receivers. This is a uh, little interesting uh, because the highest rated receiver is rookie Amaz Saint Brown. This guy, Amon State Brown, is going ECR wide receiver 77. He's his going name ADP. is Amon Ra. Like, let's not disc. His name You're is right. Amon Ra. Ra. That's very, it's is significant. Right. He's the Egyptian sun god. Amon's nothing. Amon Ra is the fucking Egyptian sun You're god. Right. You're right. Give him his You're due. Right. And I know. I'm sorry. This is, why, this is why I need you, man, to say the names right. And then they're all going outside the top 202. But I'm not, it's, with St. Brown, I'm just going with the last name. It's easier. <laughs> so with him – and he is the slot receiver, and we know with Jared Goff, he loves the slot receivers. So, what are your thoughts? When I let me let me just dive into some things about Jared Goff first before we do anything else. So, one thing about Jared Goff is I looked at Football Outsiders the slot versus wide for receivers. He is number one in slot targets every single year. Slot percentage, seventy oh, percent of his throws every single year since two thousand seventeen have been in the slot. So, seventy percent. He's the only guy to do that. Now, that is, that's St. Brown and T.J. Hawkinson in the middle of the field. But the other thing, too, is you look at a guy like Cooper Cup, rookie, Cooper Cup, 2017. Baby. Cooper Cup, his rookie season. Wasn't Cooper Cup yet, but he finishes the wide receiver 31 and was the 9.9 points per game. So that he was startable, flex receiver, his rookie season with Jared Goff. And that 2017 season, they didn't actually throw that much with the Rams. They kind of eased him into the scheme with Sean McVay. So... That's something to note. Like, he's leaned on a rookie slot receiver before, so I like knowing that that's a possibility. But what are your thoughts on St. Brown? Give us uh, – are you drafting is – your, is he your favorite Lions receiver? He's not. Um, in fact, he's not a Lions receiver that is on my draft board at all. And, and it all comes down to the hit rate stuff I talked about earlier with Cole Komet. 
Um, you know, there's not a lot to go on right now uh, on this team, on this offensive scheme. Like you said, it's all new. So we can just kind of lean on whatever data we have. Um, he's a fourth round rookie wide receiver. And if you look at fourth round rookie wide receivers going back all the way to 2010, there's only ever, there's only one of those, one of those guys, I think there were 40 or something of them. One of those guys finished in the top 48 and it was Mike Williams, the Mike Williams that was drafted by Tampa Bay, Tampa not Bay, even the Mike nice. Williams, you know, he finished 35. That's the only guy to finish within the top 48. And the reason is because wide receivers are really difficult position to pick up uh, of all the offense, all the skill positions. Um, it's the hardest on offense uh, to learn. Like the offensive scheme is hardest on the wide receivers. That's why it takes wide rookie wide receivers. Usually, I mean, last year was sort of anomalous, but usually takes wide receivers um, uh, a year or two to figure it out. I think Amon Ra's uh, St. Brown is a is a quality player. I mean, he's got some he's got a skill set in there that's pretty nice. And and I think eventually, again, in dynasty, maybe somebody you target. But this year, whole new scheme, whole new offense. Um, and, and just the fact that he's he's a fourth round rookie, which is not super high, I'm not touching him. I'm not touching him. If do you want to know who my favorite my favorite guy is? I'll tell you. No, get that shit off of it. Get, it's not even his name. You you fucking wrote his name wrong. My oh, guess. <laughs> somebody has to catch passes here. My guess um, is that it's going to be 200 pound second year possession wide receiver. Quintez Cephas. That's wow. the guy I'm going after. It's Quintez Cephas. I want to take you back to draft day 2020 when Quintez Cephas was drafted. Mere minutes before Quintez Cephas is, is drafted, um, a quote comes out from Jeff Okuda, who is now a Detroit Lions cornerback, but at the time was world's best college cornerback for, for Ohio State. Um, uh, an interview surfaced where Jeffrey Okuda said that the hardest wide receiver that he's ever had to cover in his entire life was Quintez Cephas. Mere minutes after that, he gets drafted onto this same team. Cephas comes out with 10 targets in week one, had a hard time connecting with Matthew Stafford, didn't really end up with a great year after that. Um, but he had some really good plays last year here and there in flashes. In camp, he's having an incredible camp. He's making some insane catches in camp and he's really stepped up as a leader in this wide receiver court. He's the only one that's been here before. Okay. He's a second year wide receiver and he is the guy that's been on this team longest in that entire fucking wide receiver room. I like Quintez Cephas. He's my favorite guy uh, to uh, perform this year and he's free. So they all are. I mean, really? So I, I, I'm going to disagree and push back a little bit. My guy's Tyra, Tyra Williams. I, Thank you for changing his name. Thank you for Thank you for correcting it. I apologize. <laughs> um, Tyra Williams is sometimes you have to follow. First of all, number one, you talked about Quincess Cephas. Tyra Williams has been in the Anthony and Lynn scheme before. So he actually probably yeah. has the most leg up of anybody on this roster. Sure. And my thing with Tyrell Williams is you follow the targets in his fantasy production. So in 2016, Keenan Allen goes down. He actually finishes with 119 targets, and he finishes wide receiver 17. Great Keenan season. Allen comes back. Great season, right? But Keenan Allen comes back. He takes a back seat. He gets only 69 targets, but he finishes as the wide receiver 41. So still, wide receiver four numbers, but only 69 targets. 2018, 65 targets, finishes as the wide receiver 48. 2019, everyone thinks he was this big-time bust with the Raiders. Really, to be honest with you, only 64 targets, finishes as the wide receiver 46. This guy consistently finished – as a wide receiver four in those three. 
Now he's going way outside the top 70 wide receivers. But the thing I love, I brought this up earlier, 308 available opportunities on this team potentially. And my thing is if he can flirt with 100 targets and take over, because right now today, I think Quintez Cephas is a name to monitor. But what I've heard so far, it's Perriman, Tyrell Williams, and St. Brown, and Khalif Raymond for somehow in the slot. Juggernaut or whatever, but Tyrell Williams to me hurt man. He ain't I, even. Oh, you're right. Even I, know. I, I know. I know. I know. You're right. I know. And listen, I'm not even. We're not even going to talk. You know what? I'm upset with you. We're not even going to talk about Pyramid. All right, we're out. Uh, so but Tyrell Williams. Knows. I know. He's, he's, he's out. He's out. He's out. Um, but Tyrell Williams for me though is if he can get closer to 100 targets, we've seen him produce on a per target basis. That I feel like he could be a comfortable wide receiver three, and it sounds like from camp he's the best receiver so far. So. That's how I feel about Tyrell Williams. I think if he can get close to 100 targets, maybe close to that 2016, we might be able to see like wide receiver three numbers consistently from him. Plus, he operates in the slot and the middle of the field. He actually plays about 35, 40% when he played with Anthony Lentz. He was playing inside and out a lot, whereas Jared Goff makes his money. He's throwing short intermediate in the slot. I think Tyrell Williams is going to play inside, kind of that hybrid Z role versus Perriman on the X, who's going to be mostly outside. So that's why I like Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams is absolutely going to be the X receiver on this team. Let's not get that twisted. He's going to be the one outside. He'll play 11% slots, maybe. But um, look, when in, in 2016, it legit came down to a head-to-head, mano-a-mano, duke-out, four targets between Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams. And Tyrell Williams won that fight so you're not wrong like there is something to be said about this kid's game but you also said that he consistently finishes a wide receiver four in the 40s 45 47 48 outside of 2016 he didn't play football last year at all he's a whole year out of football um I have my concerns about this guy he's getting a little bit older I think he's going to be fine I think he's going to be a fine floor wide receiver three this yeah. year, um, but I don't. I, ha- I I believe that there's no ceiling for for him. His ceiling is so low that you know I'm I'm has I would never want a guy like that on my roster because I think he's going to score eight points every week, and I, that's just not somebody I want to start. If I'm honest, personally, I don't think I'm drafting any of these guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, we're really not. just yeah, we're not. Probably but I not. get what you're saying. I get what you're Let saying me, though. Can I can I tell you why Perriman's a bad choice? Real quick, real quick. I promise to be quick. Hundred percent. That's why. Yeah, go ahead. Career average depth of target, 17 yards over his career. We talked so much early about how Anthony Lynn and Jared Goff like the underneath stuff. You keep saying over and over, they are not deep ball guys. So a deep ball receiver like Perriman, which is the only thing he's ever succeeded at in the NFL and in college where he just ran past everybody. Um, Not an option. Will he catch a couple of rando deep balls? Maybe. I don't know. But um, the biggest issue for me is that he's injured and he's missing camp. And we, again, we said it, everything's new here. Everything yeah. is new here. And if you're not at camp, you are so far behind the eight ball, learning the new offense, but not just that getting comfortable and developing rapport with your quarterback, um, getting timings right with your quarterback. Like I just, I'm all the way off on pair. I'm yeah, you're right though. We're pretty much all yeah, the way off was, on all these guys. Yeah. Go get Quintus Cephas after your draft. You'll be happy. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, I'll put my address in here. You can send me three dollars later. I'm not going to lie, Dewey's because of our conversation. If Cephas gets the starting nod week one, I might just be interested in plucking him on there. See what's going on. Check it I, out. You know, 
you know, know every year there's a guy in the first couple of weeks that is like the guy that everybody goes after in their waiver wire. If it's Quintez Cephas, it would not surprise me if he doesn't go crazy off waiver wires by week three. If he's, it, yeah, he might be that guy. Let's talk about the real wide receiver one. It is TJ. Oh, man. Yeah, man. I think I think the opposite effect. All the wide receivers were like, eh. The more I look at the TJ Hawkinson, the more I love this guy. Like, I, I'm just – Last year, he was the second-year breakout. We just broke out 8.9 points per game, tight end six in points per game last year. He's going consensus ECR. Actually, the, the public has pits at four. Experts have pits at, um, at five. So it's Hawkinson four, expert consensus ranking, five for the public. Interesting right there. But he's going at 61. I don't think he's going to fall to the sixth round a lot. But in, in NSC ADP, he's going in the sixth round, the five-six turn. So that's interesting. But when I look at TJ Hawkinson, it's simple. Like when you look at the Chargers last year, they were 13th in fantasy points by team stats. So this offense with Hunter Henry was very good for tight ends. But even Jared Goff, like Jared Goff, if you break this down and listen, if you go way back, Anthony Lynn, listen, Charles Clay, I understand wasn't a true fantasy asset under Anthony Lynn, but they didn't throw a lot with Tyrod Taylor. Like percentage wise, if you want to get like really fancy with percentages, he Wait, had a good target share with Charles. Clay. Yeah, let me stop you there and, and expand that point for a second. The last time Anthony Lynn called plays was 2016. Okay. That's the last yeah. time he called plays. He called plays as the interim head coach of the Buffalo bills. The number one target getter on the team was Charles clay and yeah. other pass catchers on the team that he beat out. It wasn't duds, right? Percy Harvin, Robert Woods, Marquise Goodwin, Sammy Watkins, Shady McCoy and Reggie Bush were all on that team. And Charles Clay, the tight end, out-targeted all of them. Love it. That's well, that's what I mean. So, like, and you look at Jared Goff. I think there's the, one of the things that's making my head spin about Jared Goff and the Rams is that people talk about the Rams don't use their tight ends. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, the problem was they had Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, and it gets yep. lost. They were sixth in tight end fantasy points in 2019 for the tight end position and 11th in 2020. But people don't think that. Oh, yeah, what happened when Gerald Everett went down? Oh, yeah, Tyler Higby put up Travis Kelsey numbers, 17.1 points per game in those five weeks. Like, when they only had one tight end, they Jared Goff featured Tyler Higby. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So let's just take a 2020. Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby last year under Jared Goff. With them combined, finished 118 targets, 85 receptions, 938 yards, six touchdowns. Nice. 172 fantasy points. That's the tight end three in fantasy last year. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, Jared Goff doesn't use tight ends, you're wrong. I love like Tyler Higby. um, I'm sorry. I'm saying Tyler Higby. TJ Hawkinson to me now is like a rock solid fifth round pick. I think if you're, I honestly think he's safe because he's going to, the available opportunities are going to go. Not only does he have a safe baseline of 100, he's going to get more targets too. He can get to the 125 range. Because the fact that Perriman's banged up. Tyrell Williams has only been over 100 targets once in his career. Uh, St. Brown, rookie. Quintus Cephas. Well, Quintus Cephas is probably a buck 50 target. But you know what? <laughs> I think that TJ Hawkinson is a rock-solid yeah. fifth-round pick. So what are your thoughts about TJ? Yeah, I agree. I fucking love him. He doubled his production in every statistical category going from year one to year two. Um, and for first-round tight ends the hit rates double both for top six potential and top 12 potential going into year three year three is the year where an early round tight end if he's gonna hit is gonna hit and and you can almost say that this this kid hit last year so I think there's no reason to believe 
that he's not going to go nuts. We've talked about the Anthony Lynn thing. The only issue for me, and the thing that I'm watching really closely, is the, the how well he and Jared Goff get along, how well they click in camp. I have to see it in camp, in the preseason. If they can get themselves together on the same page, Absolutely, the sky's the limit for this guy. He could be yeah. the, the tight end three. He could easily surpass Mark mm-hmm. Andrews for the tight end three, George Kittle even, or whoever the fuck, Waller. He, I think tight end three is his ceiling. The only issue for me is that he's going between tight end four and five. So, like, if you draft him as a four and he finishes three, that's fantastic. You're not getting a ton of value for him, right? I think there are tight ends like Blake Jarwin that you can draft at the end of your draft and also has the potential to finish top six, but uh, like nobody's going to fault you for taking Hawkinson at four, because this guy is as sure a thing at tight end outside of Kelsey and Kittle as you can get. Yeah. So listen, I, I agree. But the thing is, I'll tell you right now, all camp reports is TJ Hawkinson and Jared Goff are a thing. So you're yes. good there, but listen, man, that was a gong. That was a buck 15. Listen, we typically put you on the clock, but listen, for the sake of everyone, we're gonna just skip that. And I what do you mean? That. I was no, so ready. No, for no, you ready? Fine. All right, you know what? Whatever. We're going rogue. We're going rogue. <laughs> like I said, nobody's all right, got no. anything to do. All right, it. what's on the clock? Let's put you on the clock, then. We're above fifteen in. If you're still here, God bless you. All right, Boom. so Dewey's, we're gonna put you on the clock. So how this works is simple. You get sixty seconds. We're gonna talk about your bears, and we're gonna talk about the players around. So your clock. Third round, David Montgomery and Allen Robinson are on the board, but other guys, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, CeeDee Lamb, George Kittle, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, and Chris Carson are on the board here. So you're in the third round. Are you taking one of your bears or are you pivoting at this spot? One of my absolute favorite players in the draft of any player in the draft who recently people are starting to get down on a little bit is J.K. Dobbins. I'm taking J.K. Dobbins there. I would also accept CeeDee Lamb as an option, knowing that he's getting ready to move to the slot full-time. Um, really great. Uh, not, no, move out of the slot and play all over the field. Sorry, got that wrong. I would take Dobbins and Lamb ahead of either of those two guys. All right, so listen, Darnell Moody, let's move to the ninth and 10th round. So you skipped on your Bears. You feel guilty. You have this pit in your stomach. You're thinking, how dare I pass on Allen Robinson and David Montgomery? Now you're back in the ninth, 10th round, and now you have another shot. At a bear. It's Darnell Mooney. You got Jalen Waddle, Marquise Brown, Tyler Higby, just guy I love. Robert Tanya, another tight end. Tony Pollard, a nice little handcuff. Jamal Williams, the guy we talked about today, and Michael Pittman in this range. So you're at the 9 10 turn. What do you think? You're taking Darnell Mooney. I would love to sit here and tell you that I'm going to take Michael Pittman because I was so high on him last year coming in, but I'm just not right now. Yeah. Nobody else on this board screams to me huge potential. Like, you know, I know people are probably going to say Jalen Waddle because people love rookies. I don't love rookies. I don't love Miami. I'm taking Darnell Mooney because by the time Fields hits the field as the starter, this kid is going to skyrocket up the board, and I want to be on that flight, baby. I love it. All right, listen, man. Listen, this was – that was the quickest segment we've done all day. I mean, I love it, dude. Listen, yes. dude, it, honestly, man – it's been a long time. You know, I hope it's not that long. We got to get you back in late August. Talk, we tight end sleep. We brought up J- Blake John. We got to get you on a show to talk a little bit about some sleepers. But yeah. overall, man, you know, you brought up a lot of stuff that you're doing right now. We wish you nothing but luck with your, with your new businesses and stuff. We're hoping to see you back ASAP because we got a lot of big things going on at the TCK. 
Now, of course, this podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network and also brought to you by Bet Online. So we want to make sure everyone knows where you're getting your this podcast from. But Dweez, tell us a little bit about what's your plans for the fall? Do you got anything cooking for us? Uh, well, first of all, I'll tell you my plans this weekend. I'm going to Canton. Fantasy Football Expo should be a great time. You nice. and Sky both bailed on me. Um, I was, I'm about to meet all these people in real life for the first time, and you're not even fucking coming. A little bit salty yeah. about that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I absolutely do plan to jump back in with you boys at the TCK soon. I am out here making my fortune right now, which has taken more time than I'd like it to take. Um, but but hopefully before the season kicks off again, I'll be able to get on and at least start doing something regular with you guys. Um, that other than that, nothing at all, man. Nothing at Listen, all. You gotta welcome making, back the people this year. Man, look at how's that, Gabe? Gabe, I'll see you. <laughs> I'll see you in uh, Canton, baby. All right, boys. Listen, this is it. This was episode four thirty. The NFC North team previews the Bears and the Lions. I'm your host, Bobby Mark. I want to thank Dweez Nuts once again with my fantastic coats. But this is the end of this episode. We are out of here. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.